We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Crazy for Swayze. I'm your host, Vince Troy, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Josh Young. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing quite well. Dude, we've been relaxing all day. Just chilling. A nice fucking Sunday. And we've decided that, you know, we can't relax all day. We've relaxed till now. So now we have to do some work. So we decided to continue our efforts to make our way through North and South, book one. We're doing episodes three and four today. So instead of a little rundown like we usually do, we're just going to catch you up. So in case you didn't listen to the first half of first half, first third. I have no idea. First two episodes. Here's what you missed. We've got a few fucking uh, characters for you to, to remember. We've got Patrick Swayze's playing Ori Maine. And uh, he's from the South. He's from South Carolina. And then his buddy George, he meets at school, is from Pennsylvania. So these two have the rift between the North and South between their friendship. Mm -hmm. And it was first, uh, do you think it was like an issue at first? Or they seemed like they warmed up to each other pretty quick. Well, I mean, they're buddies. Uh, They're going to school together. So you got to meet somebody who you like and then just stick with them. Mm -hmm. You don't want to fall into the wrong crowd. Correct. Well, now we've also got George's sister, Virgilia, who's being played by Kirstie Alley, who is an abolitionist. Um, We've got Ori's sister, Brett, who is a few years younger than him. And we got a little taste of her in the the second episode, but she's coming up with a little bit bigger role, I've heard. And George also got married to Constance Flynn. Oh, yes. Lovely Irish lass. Now, Madeline is still married to Justin Lamont. Even Mr. though Justin, Mr. Worst guy Justin. in the world, <laughs> David Carradine, is he or uh, would you say Bent is worse? He's I don't, the bigger villain so far. Well, Mr. Justin has raped and assaulted people on screen, and all Bent did was send people into an active war zone. <laughs> so I think they're equally horrible on completely different scales. Yeah, Mr. Justin's like personally horrible and Bent is like utilizing uh his his like power. Yes. What little power he has to uh fuck over people. Now Bent was their commanding officer at their military academy when when they were at West Point, right? He was just a giant fucking cock. He's the bastard son of Colonel Sam Green and he's got this horse named Satan. Mm-hmm. And we do have one friend that was uh, a little standouty in the first two episodes. His name was Ned Fisk. And Satan put that fucker in a body cast because they threw him off his back. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, so it's mostly about so far how they've gone to school and how uh, Ori and Madeline, you said it was, yes. Madison, fell in love. And uh, now she's married to an evil man. Uh, now that they've gone through war, Swayze is... Uh, Kind of, he's got a he's got a disability now. He doesn't walk so good because his knees all fucked up. He's also been drinking, and he's been drinking a bunch. So very Swayze so far, 
and uh, now he has re- resolved himself to uh, to steal away with this woman and save her. Dude, I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it, I mean, when is the Civil War? I don't know. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking that it might be in the second book. Yeah? First book, pre-Civil War. Second book, Civil War. Third book, post-Civil War. Reconstruction. We are moving at a clip, though. These first two episodes took place over the course of like four or five years, right? Yeah, four or five years from going to West Point and graduating and then going to war. So it's very possible that the Civil War could start before the end of this episode. It could happen at any moment. Right? I'm kind of feeling like maybe this one is when we're going to, like you said, start start ramping up at the very least but some some inciting incidents have had to start right yeah i imagine i mean uh everyone seems pretty divided at west point between the north and the south so mm-hmm. uh and <laughs> swayze uh he doesn't much care for the practice of slavery so i seem to recall making a prediction that he would uh, be a turncoat at some point yeah i'm excited to see well josh you want to you want to jump right in yeah, let's watch this uh, this show. Let's fucking do it. Hey, Josh. Hi, Vince. How much of that review do you think mattered in these episodes? Like 30 to 50 percent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's important. It makes me feel as if the next episode we don't have to give such a detailed uh, account of things that happened. Hey, man, it'll be like a month from now. Like, the people will need a reminder. I think you're right. I think you're right. Well... What didn't matter? What didn't matter? Well, Ben's didn't matter at all. Wasn't even in the episode. Neither was Ned Fisk. Yeah, nobody uh, from West Point was there except for George Norrie because they're north and south. Yes. Um, so that didn't matter. What else didn't matter? Um, the, the Satan wasn't in this ep- episode well, at all. Well, duh. I mean, because Ben wasn't there. Yeah, this mostly like these two mostly take place at the respective families' homes. Yes. Yeah, I got a little confused. I thought that George and Constance had already been married. Turns out they're getting married now. Yeah. They were just engaged before. Is that why uh, the Mains visit the Hazards in, in Pennsylvania for the wedding? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, that in makes the, sense. In the, fir- in the beginning of it? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah, well, well so it opens with the uh, the Hazards down in South Carolina and um, Ori is walking George to the train, and they spot a runaway slave from one of Ori's neighbors. And he immediately goes to, like, grab him off of a train. You need to define your, your pronouns. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Ori, on horseback, goes to grab the slave who is climbing onto a train car. Mm-hmm. And Ori grabs him off, you know. And then pulls out a gun, points it at the slave. And George is like, hey, you should not do that. That's not chill. And convinces Ori to 
not shoot the slave and tells him to run. Yeah, or he tries to rationalize that if he didn't shoot the slave, then he'd be as good as dead or worse if he <laughs> were to go home. Correct. Um, and weird justification because it's like, well, I mean, you could just let him go because yeah. without you having showed up, like, there's no reason. You're the only intervening person. Yeah. So yes. why why adhere to class structure in civil society, you know? No one's watching. Yeah, that's exactly what George tells him. And that's uh, just like a weird recurring thing throughout because it's like he acts like he, he... In the previous two episodes, he seemed like he might be against slavery. Yeah. Because he sees his slaves as actual people. Mm-hmm. But in these two episodes, he doesn't seem to feel that way. I think that has like lots of stuff to do with the fact that Ori has shifted from the eldest child to the man of the house. Well, not yet, but yes. But, but still, like, in general. Yes. Um, I think, the and plus, this is also another two years mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh-huh. After, or a year, no. Constance and George aren't married yet, so this is still immediately after the last episode. So their friendship has gone for four or five years minimum. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I just feel like a lot of uh, Swayze, the way that the show portrays it, it feels that a lot of Swayze's uh, like predilection toward his uh, southern uh, roots really feels like a reaction to other people telling him, no, yeah. like your way of life is bad. When people try and tell him no to slavery, he's just like, no, you don't understand. And then mm-hmm. it, he pushes back and he pushes back. Yeah, it, it's very much the case that he's he's, I think, becoming more dug in because there's so much friction against the things that he does. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't like it. And he doesn't necessarily view them as wrong because he was still justifying slavery yeah, in the he first still tries ones, to act like it's you know? uh he he still tries to act like it's fine. Yeah. Or he's against it at like, the very least on it, a on a conceptual level. Yes. He he seems as if he he'd be open to moving past it in episodes 1 and 2. But yeah. now it seems as if he's a little bit more um Dug in. He's yeah. just like accepting of it. He he. Uh, but it's weird that he's preparing for a different future than the one that he's trying to create. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, okay. I don't know, man. I, I feel think- like it's all there in that first scene. Is what I mean to say. Like you know, everything that goes that happens in the next two episodes is pretty much contained in that first scene. Yes. Yes. Very much that Ori. He sees things that are going against what he feels is right, so he's considering intervening, but then it is pointed out that he is being just... Like an aggressor. Yeah, like he is the problem in this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's pretty pretty clearly communicated. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all there in the first scene, and I thought that that was pretty striking. Like, you could tell that something was going on in that scene. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a, a shift in his character. Correct. It happens a little bit in the previous episode. Anytime somebody's like, no, slavery bad, he's like, well, come on, just because I'm a slave owner doesn't mean I'm bad. Yeah. Just because slave, he acknowledges that slavery is bad, but he doesn't think that all slave owners are bad, which is weird. Yeah, he says he treats his slaves good. You yeah. Know? And he just keeps talking about that. But then this is in quick succession with the entire main family going up to Pennsylvania for George and Constance's wedding. Oh, yeah. What a fun time. Yeah. And while they're up there, Virgilia approaches uh, Ori and tries to talk to him just about abolition in general, not necessarily pushing too hard, but just like 
just talking to him about it and then invites him and his family to a speaking or, you know, like speaking engagement that she's going to be participating in. She's kind of grilling him because she's like, oh, hey, I heard that Southern men hate women. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I love women. Women are great. And he's she's like, oh, but what about our minds and our ideas? He's like, I love the whole package. Yeah. Just really want to see you naked. Mm -hmm. And she's like, all right, well, why don't you come look at me talk? Yeah, come check out my mind. I'll so be emotionally naked in front of all these people. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll go. Yeah. So he goes. So they're at this meeting and then there's a bunch of people there, right? And he even comments like, man, all these people are abolitionists. There's a lot of people who feel this way. And they're playing trumpets and tubas and baritone, uh, you know. Yeah, whole marching band right inside the auditorium, right? Mm -hmm. As lit as it gets for fucking 1876 or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, we're introduced to Frederick Douglass speaking at the meeting, just talking about how uh, his life had impacted his views and fight towards the freedom of all slaves. And uh, then he eventually introduces Virgilia to speak. As if she's the star attraction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she makes a lot of really good points about how the South is, you know, not not trying to progress past slavery. But not only that, she's like vulgar in front of all of these very uh, like respectable white people. Yeah, well, I mean, like they all agree with her. So they, they sort of do, but they seem to be like upset that she's even talking about it. Yeah, because slavery is not just a matter of making people do work for you. It's also a matter of like your body, your bodily autonomy. And like they're they're going to fuck you, basically, if you're a slave. And that's that's bad. Yes. Clearly. Um, I felt like... But they don't say that. Like, when you're when you're saying that slavery should be abolished, you're not like, there are reprehensible sexual acts happening to these people who mm -hmm. don't have control over their lives. That's not a thing that people do talk about. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's not something that Black Widow uh, managed to uh, nail in any sort of capacity. No. No, that was not a... Uh, a very elegant foray into such a topic. Yeah. It was it was kind of ham-fisted. I think that this show does a good job with it, though. Yes. Like, it, it, it is something reprehensible that comes about from slavery, and it's not something that you hear about when you're learning about slavery in middle school or high school or whatever. Mm -hmm. The exact thing that she says is she accuses slave owners of being black breeders and just, you know... They're operating bordellos. Yeah, just... To, Those are words that she uses. Yeah, to essentially create more uh, work, workers, you know? Yeah, more stock. More stock. She's suggesting that the true crop of slavery is not any crop that they produce, but actually the human crop. Yes. And that's like... It's real fucking deep. That's a, that's yeah. a dark thing to say to yeah. a bunch of people in the 19th century. Yeah. It wasn't the 19th century. Oh, yeah, it was the 19th. I'm sorry. I'm... I'm I'm backwards. You don't know how numbers work. I'm confused as to how numbers work. But this pisses Ori off, rightfully so. Rightfully so? No. Justifiably so? To his character, I guess. But, like, that's because he feels attacked by it. And yes. it's like the lady doth protest too much, you know? Yeah. He, yeah. he shouldn't be upset about it if he's not fucking slaves. Yeah. It's the same thing as, like, white fragility and all that shit. Like, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be offended by that if it doesn't apply to you. Correct. I hear you. White but, fragility. That's that's a good way to describe these these southern people. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of aggressive about their viewpoints. Like anytime somebody like challenges their views or their way of life, so they're like, 
we're gonna we're gonna leave and we're gonna make our own country with blackjack and hookers. That's exactly what they talk about. <laughs> They're like we're gonna have gambling, but going to church on Sundays. Um, then we do a hard cut to Mr. Justin. Yeah, from the abolitionist party to the most racist, abhorrent person that we know. Yeah, hard cut. He just fucking rides up on this house real goddamn hot, runs in the house. Sick-ass boots. Throwing he, his shit. He at, smacks a slave with the door on he, his way in. Yeah, he has one of his slaves next to the door. Standing behind the door. Yeah, so he's throwing his coat and his little baton and all his bullshit at the guy. His and his baton is sick. Yeah, and he's just like, Benny! This is it, dude. Fashion Corner. Yeah? <laughs> Mr. Justin is my first uh, note on Fashion Corner. Tell me about it. Man, that guy. This is the only outfit that he wears throughout the in the two episodes that we watched yeah. that, that stuck it to me. Those boots. When he gets up into the into the room and he's yelling and yelling at Madeline, he kicks his boots up on the bed. Dude, I cannot <laughs> believe he put his boots on the bed. What kind of monster? Is? I mean, I knew he was a monster, but I didn't know he was a monster. Well, yeah, she's only gonna like sleep in it for a couple more days before he banishes her. God damn! Oh my gosh! Yeah, Madeline was upstairs taking a nap, and he's just pissed as fuck, screaming up a goddamn storm. Runs in the bedroom. Kind of like just hops in bed where she was, pushes her out, and just starts yelling about how she's hanging out with the slaves too much because she's helping take care of the children. Oh, yeah. She did like a doctoring in the previous episode, right? Yeah. Like she's like helping care for the people on their plantation. She like midwifed a baby. Yeah. Which is, as we learned in the previous scene, the most precious crop. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So like he should, if he actually knew what he was farming... He shouldn't be such a psycho about it, but, like, he is such an idiot. He doesn't even know what's going on. He accuses her of hanging out with all those sluts and starts beating her, right? And He says sluts. Yeah. That's what he says. He says sluts, and then he starts hitting her, and during this altercation, he declares he wants children, not only children, but a son, and uh, says that you're going to give me one and all this kind of stuff, and but you haven't yet... Do you think he understands how reproduction works? I don't know. What do you think, like, both of their understanding of reproduction is? I'm not sure, man. She seems to have a little bit of knowledge on, like, reproductive uh, situation because she knows an abortionist. Yes. Yes, she does know an abortionist. Um, I don't know. I feel like Mr. Justin is just, like... A dick. And oh. He's just very self-centered and doesn't care about anything. He he's very much in the mindset of if we fuck and I come and you, you're giving me a baby. Like yeah, yeah. he doesn't know realize if, that that might not work the first time. And if you, like you don't give me a baby, that's your fault. Yeah, it couldn't possibly be his fault. I mean, no, not at all. He is the man of the house. Nothing's wrong with him. Yeah, he he, he he's perfectly virile. Yeah, he's, that's why he needs to come in so hot in order to get a boner. Like he needs to like run in and like throw all his shit all around and start yelling. She's like, where the fuck were you? Blah blah blah. And she was like, I was helping someone. And he's like, why the fuck were you doing that? Jumping on the bed, putting his boots everywhere. I could not believe he put his boots on the goddamn bed. Yeah, it's that it's that Rick James shit. Oh, it frustrated me. I I I yelled. Okay, so we have the answer to the question that we posed at the beginning, though, right? Which was, who's the bigger villain, Bent or Mr. Justin? It is Mr. Justin, <laughs> Mr. 100%. Justin is a fucking psycho. Yes. Mr. Justin is a reprehensible person. 
I love it. I like. I love what a villain he is. Like that outfit and putting his boots all over the bed. That's the first entry in Fashion Corner. <laughs> you know, this upsets Maddie, right? So she goes and and chills at her and Ori's secret spot, you know. And conveniently, Ori is riding by at the exact time she's chilling there. Well, I, you got to imagine that it's something they do every day or, like, at least every week at the same time. Somewhat frequently, yeah. Because they seem to know to look out for each other. Well, he also mentions that he hasn't seen her there in a while. Oh, yeah, because no. <laughs> her husband's being a psycho. Yeah. So it was a surprise that they were seeing each other and then they get naked and they make love. I started writing in my notes that that's the sin church. That there is <laughs> lots of sin in, in that church. It's like uh, the wor- the weirdest location. I didn't believe it was real, but I'm starting to believe it's real now. Okay, all right. Can we, let, let's 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 break down that for a second. The sin church, right? <laughs> Maddie was kind of forced into marrying Mr. Justin, right? Uh Uh-huh. And that's why she says that in her mind she's married to Swayze. Yeah, to Ori. So is is she technically sinning because she was married against her will to a guy? Well, I think that the movie doesn't suggest that she's sinning. It's just that the actual, like the law suggests that she's sinning. I guess. Because the law said she's married to that guy. But, like... You're saying that the law of God is more important than the law of man. That's what I'm... I'm, What I'm saying is, like, is that a sin, though, then? Because it'd be breaking a law. I'm not saying that's not breaking a law. Sure, sure, I know, but laws are unjust. We know this. Yeah, so... But but is it a sin? Well, I mean, is God real? (laughs) I mean, if God is real, it's a sin. If God isn't real, then no. But, I, I mean... I think this show implies God is real. We'll have a we'll have an idea by the end. I'm I'm pretty sure we will. I I, I don't know. The reason why I ask is because it just seems like it, everything I've heard about God, God's supposed to be about love and blah blah blah. And like, wh- why would you be faithful to someone you don't respect? Well, first of all, recall the previous episode of our podcast, which said that God works in mysterious ways. God does work in mysterious ways. And I think that Swayze believes that in his in his soul. You're right. You're like, right. The actor, <laughs> regardless of this character, this character clearly believes in God because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think you're right. Uh, yeah. What I know about Swayze is that he doesn't believe in like, you know, white beard God sitting on his throne, but he like believes in like a Buddhist God who like uh, works out. Yeah. And he's like just chilling and having a good time and like wanting to, to help you. Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, it's. It, I think is God real is an important question for every Patrick Swayze movie, and I will not stop thinking about it forever. Dude, I like the transitions in this episode a lot because we move right from one bang to another bang. Yeah, but this is like a big bang. Sure. <laughs> we we cut to Hazard's Ironworks, and all of a sudden. There's an explosion. Everything just blows up out of the fucking works. And George, who's there, runs in to help people, right? So he's he's looking around the fire. It's described as an inferno. He gets all sooty. It looks like the outsiders. And he's able to rescue somebody. Just one guy. <laughs> yeah, he rescues one guy, throws him over his shoulder, and he gets outside. And he's like, what the fuck happened? Save one person. Yeah. And he did a Martha. Yeah. He made a Martha. Oh, yeah. So he's like, what fuck happened? And they're like, 
these bands, they just couldn't take it. He's like, I ironed or I, I ordered those support bands for that specific thing last week. They should have been here. We should have had them on. Why weren't they on? And they're like, your brother canceled the order. Shaking my head. Fucking Stanley, who's the money man, didn't want to take preparatory measures and canceled a bunch of safety material orders. Oh, yeah, because that's not good for the overhead. Yeah, because he's like, why should we have this stuff on hand when this stuff is still working? Well, you have it so then it doesn't explode. Isn't that so crazy? It's almost like that's how our country has worked for the last 40 years, 50 years. That's how our country has worked Forever. Oh, forever. Forever. That's why it's never going to change, because it's ingrained in our American DNA. Right, right, right. fuck your worker. Well, and to not prepare for what happens to your kids, but to prepare, or anything in the future, but to prepare for what's happening tomorrow. And tomorrow, we need to push out a lot of product, baby. We can't put those reinforcing bands on. Money, 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 money. But you know, like, between when this is happening and our modern day, there was a World War II and a World War I and a (laughs) Civil War. (laughs) But after World War II, we did invest a lot in our infrastructure and shit. And now our country doesn't, or our state and our, our nation, they don't invest in, like, roads and shit and bridges. It's all going to crumble any time, and we yeah. don't do anything until after it crumbles. Yeah. Which is what happens in this episode. Yeah. Because Mama Hazard is like, okay, too many hazards at the plant. At the hazards. You know, so immediately George starts taking action. He's like, what we're going to do is compensate everyone who is injured. He, he's yelling at his brother. Stanley is like cowering because yeah. he doesn't know what to do in this situation. Yeah. George is like, we're compensating everyone. If someone was injured, we're paying their bills. If someone dies, we're burying them. We're giving them $5,000. Can you imagine how much money that is? That's so much money. We should have done a research. I should have figured out how much money that is. We can. $5,000 Civil War time. So then they meet with Mama Hazard, and Mama Hazard says, Listen, Stanley, you're not in charge anymore. We had split the power between you and your brother, but that is ridiculous. You're not in charge of anything anymore. Now, George is in charge of everything. Uh, He gets to decide about safety and what happens with money and what goes on because he's a smart boy. Um, Stanley doesn't like that at all. So uh, him and his wife, who seems to be the one, like the worm tongue whispering in his ear, she tells him that they've got to like get revenge or whatever. Whatever He's got to get what's rightfully owed to him, even though he's a dummy. $5,000. Civil War money. In 1865 is equal to about $85,000. That's less than our life insurance policies are worth, though. Eighty-five and a half. But still, it's better than nothing. Yeah, that's it'll at least bury somebody. Yeah, it will at least bury someone in Civil War times. And and granted, we only have like marginally more than that on our life insurance policies. We both have hundred thousand dollar life insurance policies, right? Yeah, from our works. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have. I think my mom's name is attached to mine. Yeah, that's good for me to know. I'll, I'll put you on there. <laughs> it's a business investment. Um, how do you feel about Mama's idea to take away the power from Stanley? Because I felt like that's like a no-brainer. 
I feel like her husband should have left her with better instruction. I don't think it's her fault that she didn't know beforehand. Obviously, taking the power away from Stanley is a good idea, mm-hmm. but he should have never had power to begin with. I agree. I don't think Stanley was really cut out for anything. But I understand, like actually, why dad and mom, why in dad's will, it would say that they are to split power because you don't want to play favorites. Oh, yeah, 100%. And George was away at the military in the years preceding his father's death. Mm-hmm. So I understand why it was that way, but it's still clear that George is a better man than Stanley. Yes. He's our second lead. Well, he definitely seems like he's got a better head on his shoulders. He's able to work well under pressure, not just because of what he's exhibited at the Ironworks, but also in the military, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. he went to school to be a leader, and why wasn't he the leader in the situation? I was. St- I feel like Stanley just got the job because, like you said, didn't want to play favorites for the son. It was nepotism. Well, oh. and look at their wives. Yeah. One's wife is evil, and one is the epitome of goodness. I, I don't even know Stanley's wife's name, but I know... She is not nice. She, she is not nice. Okay, is she meaner or Ashton? I think they're both kind of awful, too. I feel like Ashton, though gets the benefit of being 18 years old or you know something like that because uh-huh. she's a child yeah she's a child well, she, but she's like being wow in like almost the next scene she's very mean to brett yeah well even though they're sisters. yes this is taking place over the course of obviously six years like i mentioned and so now brett and ashton who were the two young girls in the beginning of episode one that were playing by the by the water i thought it was very nice that you even noted brett in the in the episode uh like recap that we did because she gave swayze the flower i know i just didn't think anything of it man i just like thought that those little girls were not gonna matter but now they're adult women with their titties out all the time dude he said that someone stole his heart six years ago when she was born when she was born. Brett makes makes a big deal. He didn't say anything about Ashton. Ashton sucks. <laughs> she was a jerk as a little kid. She's a jerk in this episode. Yeah, at, we're at the funeral. We open up to the two of them just like Ashton putting a corset on and Brett helping her. And while it's happening, she's body shaming Brett about having a baby body about having a baby body and not being womanly i'm a buff fighting baby or whatever yeah and then ashton goes on to tell you about how she's interested in letting james call on her because james is going to be a politician oh man we haven't even mentioned billy or james yet well billy or james or charles Oh, yeah, Billy, James, and Charles. Yeah, so James is the person that's going to be a uh, go going into the government that wants to call on Ashton, right? Mm-hmm. Charles is Ori and Ashton and Brett's cousin. And then we have Billy, who is George's younger brother. Oh, I thought he was a cousin. No, Billy's young. Billy's George's younger brother. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that Billy really likes uh, Ori. Mm-hmm. He loves him. They were, they were flirting together at the wedding at the beginning. Yeah? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Billy was like, oh, I really admire you. I think you're so sweet and you have the honor and also you went to military school. Wouldn't it be cool to be a military man? He's like, man, you don't envy me for this fucking leg, do you? Yeah, I don't know. And that's when we get, like, seeded with the idea of, like, the, the, the cross-family romance there. Mm-hmm. 
And also the idea that Billy looks up to the Southern guy because he's just so handsome and suave. I think that was, like, the reason was, though, because, like, his dad just died, you know? Yeah, he needs a, a daddy. I think he finds him respectable, though, because Ori, Ori's dad has just died, right? And he really stepped up in the family. And then, like, Billy was there, obviously, because he came to the funeral and no witnessed this. And he really, like, respected that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, How do you feel about... Brett's ability to take that abuse from Ashton. Do you think it's respectable? Do you think she had to? Well, I mean, it's her sister. You know, you got an older sister. She's going to treat you like a baby. There's nobody else to hang out with. It's just like we said at the very beginning. Well, I mean, like... he's never seen a woman other than his mother. Yeah. (laughs) But it kind of seems like Ashton's been seeing other guys because she even mentions that even though James wants to call on her and she's going to go through with that because he's a politician. She's also talking to a few other boys. She seems like a woman with loose morals and she reveals herself to be a person who's very focused on power. Yes, I'm not sure how being a woman with loose morals makes you feel powerful. I don't know. She's very into watching people, uh, get in trouble because one of the things that she really reveals after that is that she knows that Charles, her cousin, is fucking some gal who's also engaged, you know? And the husband, or excuse me, the fiancé of the engaged woman caught them. Mm-hmm. So she reveals this information as that man is coming to the main house to challenge uh, Charles to a duel. Yeah, I mean, man, the smile that she gives, she she has some outfits as well. Yeah. I didn't note any of them, but, like, it was really the smile that does everything. The smile is multi-purpose. She uses it when she's pleased. She uses it when she's angry. Yeah, when she's trying to piss somebody off. I love it. Mm-hmm. She, she's, a, she's a good villain as well. How do you feel about the training montage that happened after Charles was challenged to the duel? Because going into it, he very much states that he's like, yeah, I'll just beat him. And then Ori's like, you can't just beat this guy. Okay, Charles, we haven't talked about it at all. Yeah. Charles is uh, Ori's cousin, right? And yes. he looks very disheveled Yes, all the time. He usually looks like he's drunk. So when we see him at the bar... Yeah, we're introduced to him at a bar, and he tries to fight Mr. Jones, the old feel hand, because as soon as Ori's dad dies, he fires him. So that guy was like a sadist. Yeah, he was just beating slaves just to beat him. And then multiple years go by that we've watched, and everything seems fine at, at the main farm, Yeah, even without Mr. Jones. Correct. So he wasn't necessary. Yes. No matter how much he said he was. And... But he so, does end up working for Mr. Justin by the end of the second episode. Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> right. sparked up. Do you think he was working for him or do you think he was just like palling around because like assholes oh, like ri- ride together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he wasn't necessarily there on payroll. He was just there hanging out and, and Mr. Justin's like, hey, you want to beat the fuck out of this person? Like it was a roadhouse situation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not there on business. Yeah, so Charles gets in a fight with Mr. Justin, or not Mr. Justin, Mr. Jones, and a few other guys at this bar, and Ori's all pissed off at him because he made the family look bad, which yeah. is fair. Yeah, and then now this other guy is coming to challenge him to a duel, and he's like, "No, 
you're going to win this duel because you're going to dishonor the family if you don't. What I've noticed is that when you don't define your pronouns, you're always referring to Patrick Swayze. <laughs> no, no yeah. Matter, in every case, when you say he without saying who he is, it's Patrick Swayze. I'm not crazy for George. I'm crazy for Swayze. He's all I talk about. I, I forget. It's, it might be important to the listeners to define that when you don't define your pronouns, you're talking about Patrick Swayze. He yeah. with a capital H. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Patrick Swayze is the only man I talk about. Yeah, yeah. Because when he pulled that escaped slave off the train, that was Patrick Swayze. <laughs> and when he did this thing that you're talking about, it was Patrick Swayze as well. Yeah. So he was angry. Ori and then was, he trains yeah. his cousin. All capital H's. Yeah, I really appreciate this, Josh. Thanks for highlighting it. I'm well, it's sh- important to know who we're talking about. We're talking about him. Eight capital H I M. Not with the pen the heartogram. That's BAM. We're talking about Patrick Swayze. Oh fuck, man. Yeah, Where so he, he does a training montage with his cousin, uh Charles. Yeah. Charles. Charles is not very good at shooting. He keeps trying to, like, just rush it. So Ori, like, tells him, like, hey, take your time. Just, yeah, cool it. Breathe out. And chances are... Pull slow. Chances are this guy is so cocky that he's not going to aim well. So all you got to do is just fucking wait and then blast him. Yeah. It's exactly the situation. (laughs) And that's what happens. Yeah. Fucking guy, him and his boys are all drinking champagne or whatever. Yeah, they're just sitting there drinking beforehand. They have and like then, a cute little like a uh, pop up table where the the gun is displayed, and there's also like a bottle of champagne off in the back. Yeah, well, the <laughs> what the seconds are doing the seconds are loading and preparing the the firearms mm-hmm. while um, Swayze is uh, his cousin second. Yeah, so they're, they're taking care of all the business, and Charles is just hanging back, and so is fiance dude, and. Once they get their their guns and they take their ten paces, wait, was that James that he was dueling with, or is that some other guy? It's not James. Okay, I didn't no, think so. No, it was some. I I don't remember his name, but um, so they walk their ten paces, and immediately when they say draw, dude turns around and fires at Charles and hits him in the the right arm, right in the bicep, right. But Charles, who was listening to Ori's guidance. Stood there. He doesn't even waver. Didn't flinch. I didn't even believe that he got shot for a moment, but then, the, like, the blood is, like, welling up under his, like, fluffy ruffle shirt. Yeah, and he's just holding his gun steady, just taking his time, and then that's when the fiancé starts to slowly back up <laughs> and then hide behind a hill yeah, because he realizes, position. yeah, because he realizes he used his one shot like that, and now he just has to stand there and get shot in the chest. And all he's of his terrified. Pe- all of his people are like, no, you're supposed to stand there and take yeah. it. And he's like, no, I'm, I, I surrender. Yeah. So he surrenders, and then Charles shoots his pistol up in the air, and everyone applauds him as a gentleman. It wasn't a real gun, was it? No, it was a real gun. I don't know. I mean, like, in the context of the show, but, like, when the shot goes off in the air, I was like, what the fuck was that? Because he, like, didn't even have it pointing all the way up in the air when he discharged his ball. I mean, yeah. I don't know anything about those guns. I know that they shoot, like, little tiny balls, like little spears. Little spears. That's what balls are? They're spears? Spears. Spears. (laughs) 
like a ball bearing. I understand. Oh, yeah. I you, you said just, a spear. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, they're li- seriously, old bullets are just little tiny ball bearings. Yeah, I know. That's fucking absurd, dude. Like a little sphere tears into you. Yeah. Like at least a modern bullet has like a tip. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It I mean, opens up a little <laughs> hole, which slowly widens, whereas the sphere fucking hits you. And if it has enough force, it keeps going into you and gets stuck in your meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. But since Charles didn't flinch, now he has the taste of the of what a gentleman is. And he yeah, likes, now he's a gentleman. He likes the respect that he felt. So he, he still looks dirty in the next episode. Well, yeah, he. I think he's going to continue to look dirty. But like he then talks to Ori as they're celebrating. Like, hey, you know, I what happened today made me feel good. I felt like I I, I made an accomplishment. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I brought honor to the family name. I would. I'm interested in attending West Point as well and continuing to bring honor to the family, you know? Yeah, and then he, like, acts like Swayze's going to hook him up, but doesn't it seem like anyone can go to West Point? I don't know. I think it takes money, but also getting in on a recommendation, that's a recommendation. I was listening to a podcast about the woman who got accepted at West Point, the first one. Yeah? How was that? Oh, I mean, she had a terrible time. (laughs) Uh, and she only did it to make a point, and uh, it kind of ruined her life. And it, it was honestly pretty sad. You're wrong about that's the podcast. I mean, then what happens before Mister Justin is a psycho again? Well, the the main family goes up to visit the hazards, right? And while they're up there, Ori and George are talking about seceding and just like the what the likelihood of the North and South actually separating is. Because Obviously, Ori isn't behind that shit. Well, he he's not necessarily for it, but he's not looking at it like it won't happen. He's like, oh, he thinks it's going to happen. Yeah, he, just like you and I think that Donald Trump's going to be the president again. He's he's noting that you know South Carolina already tried to secede once, and then they tried again, and when they tried the second time, a few more states. have we're, we're starting to try as well. So it looked like uh, enough people might be able to do it. So it's like if they did it two or three more times, it might be successful. And Honestly, is this much felt. different than like conversations that we've had? No. No, it's not. I, Man. No, it's not. It's the exact same. So, that's not good. It's the exact fucking same, man. Only one of us isn't like into slavery. The I think the only difference is now, really, because um, where they do say the Civil War was brother fighting brother, that the lines now are not going to be very clear state lines like how the North and South was. It's not going to be brothers fighting brothers, but it will be cousins fighting cousins. Yeah. Because my, my granny told me that she was surprised my cousin wasn't at the January 6th insurrection party. She thought she was going to see him on TV. Damn. Damn. But this also spawns Ashton into being interested in flirting with Billy. You oh, know, yeah. this, this this family gathering, right? She's also interested in flirting with her cousin. She's yeah, she's interested in flirting with Charles, and she's interested in flirting with literally every boy she sees. Yeah, she has seen many men. It's not that many women that she's seen again. I she think- only knows her mom. I think it's she, she she actually states she's like yeah I it'd be a shame if only one man got to enjoy me kind Cause of thing cuz like I'm just the best I'd be doing a disservice to all other men if I kept myself to one Yep I, I uh how do you feel about that that confidence have you ever felt that confidence in your life 
Yeah, yeah. I've never felt that amount of confidence in any situation. <laughs> I have so much to offer the world and just got a, you know, so much love in my heart. Do you think that Virgilia, once again, trying to convince the main family that s- slavery is bad was an unreasonable thing for her to do in no. this situation? No, 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 because Swayze wants to flirt with her. Yeah, I think a little bit. So he's flirting with her and... She invites him to the abolition party early on, and he likes her, and he likes her ideas. He thinks she's smart. She's one of the leads of the show, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that it's not that rude. It's not that rude. I do think that her in the next episode, since we've pretty much gotten there, right? We're almost there. We're we've- almost there. Her in the next episode is uh, rude. <laughs> Her visiting the South and being an asshole is rude. Um, It's not wrong. It's just rude. I'm not sure how quickly they return back home, but our next scene to to close out the end of the the episode. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be like Swayze was home. I thought it was just going to be a horrifying thing that was going on because it was from Madeline's point of view. Yes, it was. Because she rolls up to their sin church. And Mr. Justin is there sinning with a slave. Yeah, he she catches Justin there with a slave. Um, Did that lady seem like she was having a good time? I don't... Do you think she was? I don't know. I think that the presentation was awfully neutral. She ran off as soon as she got an opportunity, but where do you think she went? I don't know. I feel as if I was caught that probably caught in the same situation. That may be a thing that ran through my mind. Plus, she was naked. She wanted to cover herself. Like... Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I yes, know. all yes, all that stuff. I'm not justifying any of it. I'm just saying that's what it was. That's what it was. That's and she ran was. off, but I guarantee she went home. I, yeah. I don't think she went anywhere else because she was naked, like you said. And because Madeline wouldn't, wanted to run away then and not have anything to do with this. Well, she she did, like, she walked up on them yeah, enough so that Mr. Her. Justin could see her. Yeah, and have enough time to then catch her and beat the shit out of she her, with had a whip. her She had her horse whip. He was beating her with her horse whip. Yeah. 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 Which is horrifying. And he puts those, he puts X's on her back. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then Swayze shows up. Yeah. And he decides to then, he didn't decide, he, he nurses her wounds in the church. Yeah, he's not going to try and catch Mr. Justin because no way. Mm-hmm. He's just going to take care of her and they're going to have like a little sin time in the, tr- in the sin church. Yep. And then our our final scene is George and uh, Constance talking about how Constance wants to become a safe house in the Underground Railroad. And George is hesitant at first, but as they're talking, they meet a runaway slave and they see what his wounds on his back look like and then George agrees to help. He's getting taken care of by like the town doctor. Yeah. Right? Yes. So she's like, we're going to be the Underground Railroad. And he's like, I don't know about that, but look at this doctor. He sure seems to care about it. And so do you. And you are my sweetheart. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Yeah. That was it. Episode three. They leave for Ori's. A lot happened in that episode, did it not? Yeah, so much happened. And then when you compare it to what happens in the next episode, the next episode has some great scenes. Mm-hmm. Like the scene at the beginning, amazing. The next scene, amazing. And they all go on for so long. Yeah. Like each setup is so good. Um, How do you feel about 
this one because like I felt like I know that they're best friends and, and we should be following their story together. It just seems like the Ori Ori's family and George's family just bounces back and forth between South Carolina and Pennsylvania. It's all they do is go and visit each other. Well, I mean, that's what happens in these two episodes for sure. Yeah. And I think it's very important because it sets up our new like it's becoming clear that probably George and Ori aren't going to fight in the Civil War. They may. I don't know how many people got conscripted. Yeah. But Billy and Charlie are the new guys. Yeah. Like, they are going to school in the next episode. Mm-hmm. In episode four, they go to school and they become, they do the same thing that George and Ori did. Yep. So, I think it's important that we didn't focus too much on those guys. Those, honestly, the show is very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, it sets up characters that you think are going to be important antagonists, and then it just kind of dispenses of them. Yeah. I like that we're watching it the same way that it's presented to us. Uh, we watched the first two episodes on the first disc. Now we're going to watch the second and third episodes, uh, or I'm sorry, the third and fourth episodes on the second disc. Yeah. And we're going to go to the third disc, fourth and f- fifth and sixth. I don't that, know how numbers work. That's exactly how numbers work, man. I know, you're killing it, it. No, I kind of... You're no. killing it. Did you have a highlight, a favorite part of the episode? Um, I liked the wedding. Yeah? Everyone was... Their swag was top-notch. Everyone did have top-notch swag. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is, like, the best way to put it. It's a wedding. It was great. Everyone Everybody had, like, flowers and, like, leaves in their hair. Yes. Uh, I started noticing it with uh, with Virgilia. Virgilia did have flowers and leaves on a few occasions. But as did Ashton. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, Brett as well. It's funny that we both noted Brett with two Ts. That's how she spells her name. Okay. Is that how Brett Michael spells his name? No, he only has one. He has one T. Oh. Heather only got one T tattooed on her neck. That's a good neck tattoo. Brett? <laughs> I was going to say Heather... Heather. Heather is funny. You should get Megan. Get Megan tattooed. Megan needs a millionaire just like hidden in there. Get a chihuahua in a purse. Today, Agent Cooper, you remind me of a small chihuahua. A small Mexican chihuahua. Uh, So so episode four, we should should put a, a music break. Episode four. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Now there are lasers. There aren't lasers. Josh, how do you feel about episode four? It's some sort of a ball. Yeah. Yeah, it is some sort of a ball. We open in Mount Royal in the year 1854. Wow, you got the numbers. Yep, I wrote down the number. Dang, dude. We're at a fancy party, right? Billy and Charles are there in their their fancy outfits because they've been going to military school at West Point now for some time. Two years. Two years. They're on their break, right? This perfectly mirrors the first two episodes. The first episode, they go to school. The second episode, they're back and they're having a ball. Yes. And it's, uh, you know, they've been in school for two years. We thought they graduated, but they didn't. No. no, (laughs) Yeah. They they haven't graduated yet. That happened in the first two episodes as well, though. We thought they graduated, but they didn't. Yep. 
<laughs> exactly, man. It's 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 like a poem. It yeah. rhymes. Yeah, it rhymes and Is it George Lucas the executive producer of this? Hell yeah, man. Only these guys managed to condense it into two episodes instead of three episodes. So because the boys are wearing their uniforms, right? A group of slave owners comes over and approaches Billy and Charles, right? And he's like, oh, since they're going to West Point, they must be Yankees. Let's go and, you know, see how they feel about our way of life. And these harass the Yankees. Yeah, these slave owners are just harassing these boys. And I think Billy handles it well, you know. He's like, yeah, I believe that black people are people. And uh, we should pay them and treat them well. Yeah. And uh, all the Southerners are just like, you're a fucking idiot, man. They're black people, not they're not people. Yeah, and just kind of generally being shitty. But once they get out of that conversation with those dudes, Charles encourages Billy to ask Brett to dance. He says, my cousin's hot, and she's, like, not a dick. Yeah, because Ashton's just been a dick to him this entire time. And to everyone. And to everyone. So, yeah, he's like, Brett's fucking sick. Why don't you go and hang out with Brett? And Billy's she- like, you know what? I think I might. Both of Ori's sisters have boy names. Yeah. I mean, they're gender ambiguous, I guess. You can be a girl called Brett and a girl called Ashton, but those are boy names. Could you be a girl called Ori? No. Why not? Orenthal is a man's name. Is that what his name is? Is that what we decided? I believe it. That's what. All right, it's canon now. Orenthal. Orenthal, Maine. What is, what's his middle name? Do you think he has a middle name? Joshua. Orenthal Joshua Maine. What's George's middle name? George Excessive Hazard. (laughs) My middle name's Excessive. Excessive Hazard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so they're fucking chilling, and Billy asks Brett to dance, and she's totally fucking into it. She loves dancing. While this is happening, we get a little side note that Ashton is in the barn banging some dude. Just some dude. Yeah, he wasn't mentioned. She was just shooting him some eyes. But then she, they are quickly found out as Billy, who is just wandering around, stumbles upon them getting sexy in the barn. And she runs out in her bloomers and she's like, Billy, you didn't see anything. I'm a southern belle. Exactly, Billy. You don't understand. You You're don't. so ignorant. You've never seen What's-Her-Face back You've- from episodes one and two. You've never seen a naked lady. Your brain can't handle this. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a damsel. So he gets pointed in the direction of Brett, who's less of a damsel. Yeah, Brett Brett's just been cool this entire time. She's just been helping everybody and like Billy shows her some attention and she's like, Hey, I appreciate this. Yeah, let's go dance. This is this that'd be sick. That's what I like. Yeah. I like dancing with a man who's yeah. like nice. And then he's like sitting there talking to her and she's like, This is awesome. Yeah, you appreciate me as a human. Yeah, she's like she was having a great time and he was having a great time. But then fucking Ashton runs in just like a bat out of hell and slaps him. <laughs> she's just like I can't believe you would want to fucking talk to Brett, blah, 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 you know, and just, like, is generally shitty, you know? You know, I think Brett's great. Yeah? Yeah. What's going on with Brett? 
I think Brett's cool. She's she's definitely kept herself together emotionally. I think um, the most. Like I, I feel like Ori has had his outburst time time and time again. His alcoholism never came up. No, but I'm sure it's still factoring into things, man. You think it'll come up in the next two episodes? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the only reason why I say it's still factoring into things is because he is behaving somewhat emotionally um, at multiple times in these two episodes, especially when it involves slaves. Oh, yeah, he always gets upset when they tell him that he treats his slaves bad or fucks his slaves or whatever. And I'm, I'm propositioning the idea that that is potentially being amplified as an effect of alcoholism. That's a good point. Digging yeah. in. Yeah, because he's been told that he's been wrong for so many years about these things that he has known nothing different from. And I'm sure that is making him feel insecure and upset about things. And that causes lots of people to drink. Wow. So this is more of an Iron Man 1 than an Iron Man 2. <laughs> it's very explicit in Iron Man 2. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, so I'm not like they, they didn't focus on it too much, but I'm just saying that some of his emotional outbursts could be a side effect of him dealing with alcoholism as well. And he does drink alcohol throughout these episodes. Yeah, he never stops. Honestly. Yeah, it's not like he gives it up at some point because no. there's no conception of what alcoholism is. Um, I thought it was cool that they introduced Grady, um, in this episode right yeah grady who i believe is the actor george without a g yeah i believe i haven't done my research but so he's chilling out by the carriage right i think he's mr james's um slave like his coach driver mr calhoun mr calhoun sorry no james calhoun james calhoun oh fuck yeah so mr james's coach driver and virgilia bumps into him literally yeah, he just bumps into him, and, you know, they, they share a moment, they talk to each other, and at the end of the exchange, she shakes his hand. And it was very clear that this meant a lot to him because he's probably never touched a white woman before, and she was talking to him with a just general respect. I don't think that's true that he hasn't touched a white woman before. It is implied in the scene. Yes. That he knows it's taboo. Yeah. But later on... It is proven that he has been u- utilized by white women before. Oh, I missed that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, as it goes on, uh, she they, they have, like, a private moment. And yes. he accuses her of fetishizing him, basically. Yes. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not fetishizing you. I just have only shared, like, three paragraphs worth of dialogue with you. And I want to fuck you. She is fetishizing him, is my point. Yeah. Even though she's acting like she's not, and the show is acting like she's not. They're not really communicating. Why does he talk like that? What do you mean? Well, that's what it says in my notes. Why does he talk like that? Actually, it says why he talked like that. He, he, like, it's, it's a weird patois. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. He probably wasn't educated. Well, he, he says he can read. Sure, but, like, people talk how they hear people talk if they haven't been educated. There's You're right. no reason for him to, like, talk like a caveman. Hey, you know, I don't know. He, he talked like a caveman, right. But the next day, we see um, Virgilia riding horseback, right? And as it starts to rain, she happens upon Grady, who is 
guarding the carriage of his of his master and she decides to wait with him mm-hmm. and while they're sitting there talking they have that conversation that Josh was just mentioning that he does ask if he is being utilized you know instead of being uh Love? consenting yeah you know and he does very clearly consent before they fuck at the barn. Yeah, well, because, so the barn is about a mile away from this carriage. <laughs> he carries her the whole way. He carries her in the rain from the carriage After to the barn. After they both enthusiastically consent to sex, yes. he carries her for a mile in the pouring rain. Yes. And then she's still horny when they get there. I mean, <laughs> nothing gets me hornier than being carried for a mile through the rain. I'd rather walk. Let me tell you. I would be horny if I walked. <laughs> <laughs> but so they're in the barn and they get to kissing and they have a great time, right? <laughs> Next day, uh, <coughs> Ori George, and George both show up. Yeah, they both show up and they take her back to the house. And she just acts like she had a nice time. Yeah, she acts like she didn't. Uh, have sex with Grady and then encourage him to run away. Which she did. Which she definitely did. She gave him directions as to how to run away. Yeah. Knowing that this guy is one of the neighbors of of Ori. Yeah. Yeah. After she said that she would be very inconspicuous when she went to his house. She promised her brother. Yeah. She's like, I'll be totally chill. Don't fucking worry. And as she's telling Grady about this, like, you know, you can run away to Philadelphia. You can, can go to my brother's safe we, house. we can help you. Um, Ashton overhears all of this, right? <laughs> she's just fucking she smiling up a storm. She's like, oh, I love interracial sex. This just is my shit. getting all of it together. She's like horny and angry and has ambitions of power. Like, it's so many. Dude, she's got it all. It's so many emotions that she conveys with one simple Joker smile. <laughs> So she's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna just put this in my back pocket. I'm going to use this. So well, they're all just chilling inside, having a great time, getting ready to eat. And Mr. James or whatever comes running back into the fucking house. I think being it's like, his boy shows up. Oh, no, it was Mr. James himself. Yeah, he yeah. shows up. In a huff. He's like, where the fuck is Grady? You told it. You, you're the last person to see him. Now he's fucking gone. You and know, he's, he's accusing just, Virgilia of of, t- of stealing his slave. Which yeah, she did. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's silent though. Yeah. So Ashton then stands up and spills the beans. Like, yeah, she did encourage him because this I entire time, Virgilia is just like not giving him an answer. Yeah, she's not saying anything. She's letting everybody come to her defense, even though she's guilty. Yeah. And, of an imagined crime. Yeah. So then Ashton's like, no, she fucking encouraged it. And then Virgilia's just like, fuck yeah, I encouraged it. And Mr. James is just like, you whore! <laughs> you whore! And now it's time to fight. Dude. Well, th- one of the things during his like uh, speech that caught me was that she would admit to having slept with a slave because that like that is the crux of it. Mm-hmm. Is that Mr. James, Mr. Calhoun, he knows that people fuck slaves, but she's like down with it. And he thinks that's shameful. Mm. You know, he doesn't disacknowledge that other people fuck slaves. He's yeah. just kind of like, you know, we don't talk about it down here. Yeah. 
and that that's gross. And it also goes to like further bolster her argument that they're just whorehouses. Yeah. You know, I hear what you're saying. And she gets everything that she wants out of the interaction, but it's very embarrassing for both Ori and George. Yeah, so much so that Jory's or Jory, Jory, Jory. That, that's their name. That's their couple name. Yeah. Ori, Jory. Ori encourages George and his family to leave. He's like, "Yeah, you should probably piece the fuck out." Now. And like, you can tell that they're still in love, but that in he doesn't want to make them leave, mm-hmm. but they gotta. Yeah, for like. You know, he's like, oh, I'm covering for you. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it was beautiful. I I it, hear what you're saying. It was tragic, you know? I think that um, George then defending Virgilia as they're at the train station later on definitely was showed that George was like, hey, I still respect you as a person. I understand why you're asking us to leave. But, like, she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and Ori takes it to heart. You know, like George takes the moral high ground and and Ori appreciates it. Yeah. He's like, hey, you should really consider, you know, other options or just like really consider your views. Like th- see how th- they're affecting other people, you know. Throughout the course of this episode, it occurred to me that George is married. Yes. Ori never gets married. Yeah. He's an eligible bachelor except for his disability. Well, yeah. Is he holding out for Madeline or is he holding out for George? I think he's holding out for Madeline. He loves her, man. He loves her. He loves going to Sin Church. He loves Sin Church. Um, How do you feel about them, like, leaving that after that? Like, they, they're just like, yeah, we're not going to chill after a while. You got to leave because, like, as Ori tells them, stealing a slave is pretty much, like, the highest crime because as we noted the slave crop is the 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 most the most valuable media or media most valuable um capital exactly manpower your manpower is always your most valuable capital your resource exactly so yeah uh it, it's just so strange how they uh, treat their slaves like they're not worth anything mm-hmm. but they acknowledge within the codifying of the law that slaves are the most valuable thing. Yeah. That's so weird, isn't yeah. it? It's so weird. Like, it's such a weird, like, circle to square. I just don't get it. We have a quick cut to uh, Maddie's family, because her dad is now dying. Oh, yeah. And what he was, like, kind of a cool guy, right? Oh, uh, yeah. He was great. He fucking married her off to Mr. Justin. I just seem to recall Like, shining star of a person, Mr. Justin. Everyone's role model, Mr. Justin. I just seem to recall him being, like, a good supportive dad. Like, hey, you know, we kind of take good care of our slaves here. You know, we love each other. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted the best for his daughter. He didn't know that guy was a total psycho, even though it's obvious if you look at him for more than 20 seconds at a time. It's obvious. And so, while on his deathbed, Maddie's dad says that, yes, I did steal Ori's letters because I wanted you to marry Mr. Justin because he'd take care of you. And she's like, I already forgave you for that, Daddy. Yeah. And then he tells Maddie that her great-grandmother was black. On her mama's side. On her mom's side. He won't admit to being black. Yeah. And... Maddie, like, this is an audio medium, so we can't tell you how white she is. She is very, very white. She has a very pale complexion. Yes. Um... But yeah, immediately after dropping this earth-shattering news on her, he 
he dies. Like, <laughs> he dies. Like before he's he like, can finish his sentence, he's he just dies. Like, You're black. And then she like cries and like beats on his chest or whatever you do when somebody's dead. Yeah, but then she's upset, you know. But that like this like sparks in her mind knowing how Mr. Justin is to black people. She becomes worried, justifiably. I, honestly, I'm not sure how she, worried she should be. Like obviously he thinks the black people are lesser than and it's easier to kill them. Yeah. But like he already treats her like property. Yeah. Is this an example of white privilege? Like, she thinks that because she's passing as white, she gets treated better? She doesn't, though, does she? I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, what a what a weird example of racial politics. Because he views women and people of color as his property. Mm-hmm. And she's both. Yeah. Oh, that's intersectionality. Yeah. Hell yeah. One year later, we have a quick cut to... uh. Virgilia and Grady in Philadelphia. Living in sin. They, they're not living in sin. They're now married. Yeah, they're living within the law of the land and God. So yeah. they're definitely not living in sin. But they are living in squalor. Yeah. They're living in what amounts to... Oh, like in, like in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. They live <laughs> at Charlie's house. And there's a guy that kind of looks like, like Ebenezer Scrooge there. Yeah, he and shows they, up. Yeah, named Mr. Steel, and he's like... Well, he's black, Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, and he's like, hey, Grady, you were a former slave. We think you should speak up against the slave trade and become a figure, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not trying to do that. That's, that, you know, I already had my struggle. I'm out. I'll help the people I can help. Uh, I'm not becoming a figurehead. It's very clear that he doesn't believe in the power of speech and the power of talking. Like Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge, Mr. Steele, he says, uh, you know, like your testimony can mean something. Yeah. And Grady's like, no, it doesn't matter. Nothing that I say matters. The only thing that matters is fighting. Like he believes in revolution. He thinks a war is necessary. Yes. And instead of like concluding the interaction with Mr. Steel, him and uh, Virgilia just start kissing. They just start staring at each other. And then Mr. Steel's like, what's up? And then they just start like kissing a little bit. And he's like, should I go? And they're like, yeah, yeah probably. Leave, leave immediately. Yeah. So he pieces the fuck out. They push him out the door and then they stop kissing immediately because yeah. it was performative sexuality. They're like, the implication of the scene to me is that they don't actually feel that horny for each other, but they they feel the need to perform it for people. I guess. To make people uncomfortable. And I, I think that's like, they were horny for each other in the previous episode, but like, getting married and making it all legit, it's kind of less sexy, you know? I mean, I guess. I thought that that's kind of what the, it was implying. The fact that they, as soon as the door closed and he was out the door, they stopped kissing. I think they may be tired, you know, man. From kissing all day. Well, yeah, they just like we kiss at work. We don't we don't kiss at home, you know. Like we're not we're not kissers at home. Only at work. Um, but no, like he's got to carry me for a mile in the rain before I'll put out. Like I'm sure that other people have come to them with that exact proposition before. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. I'm sure that they're tired, and I'm sure that the what they're doing. They've realized that this makes people uncomfortable and they'll leave then if we act in this manner around them. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, 100%. You know? And then we go straight to Uncle Tom's cabin. Yeah. 
right? Presumably, Virgilia, she's trying to make people uncomfortable. That's her move. Yeah, presumably, Virgilia and Grady have sent Ori and his family a cup, uh, a copy of Uncle Tom's. Everyone's wedding. gotten a copy. Brett has one, and he has one. Ori has one. Yeah, and presumably, their mom got one. Yeah, and but, she is so down for centrism. She is gonna read the fuck out of that book <laughs> and try and figure out exactly how to walk the middle line. They, uh, yeah. It doesn't say who it's from, but it says it's someone from Philadelphia, she's and like, that's where Virgilia lives, so we just assume it's Virgilia. Yeah, she's just like, I, you know, what is somewhere between horrific abuse and human rights? Just like regular abuse? Yeah. Or like maybe the middle line is like having slaves but treating them well. Is that what she thinks? Maybe. 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 We don't get to know because we only know what Ori knows, and he says, fuck books. He's like they they're they're telling people that this is what the South is like and this isn't what the they South only is talk like. to slaves. They didn't talk to slave owners. Yeah. <laughs> and um Brett then calls him out and he's like, Hey, you uh you're being shitty, man. Yeah, well, I Brett's like, I read the book and I thought it was fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I know we don't act that way, but other people do. And other people think we act this way. Yeah, so and why do we, why are we even doing this? We shouldn't be associated with toxic people. That's what she's saying. Yeah, so she's actually, like, telling Ori, like, you know, maybe we should look at ourselves and change what we're doing because this makes not horrible sense. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of trying to draw Ori back to what he was saying in the first two episodes, which is, like, slavery isn't good. It's just necessary right now. Yeah. Dude, I feel like that's the justification for so many things. In the it's world. everything. It's like we can't we can't abolish the police because they're what we have right now. Yeah. We can't abolish sl- slavery, prisons because it's what we have. And mm-hmm. what what do you think we should do with serial rapists, you know? Yeah. You're right. What should we do with them? And it's like God damn it, that is not my fucking job. I want all the other people out of prison, you know? Mm-hmm. I want all the ones who went there for selling fucking crack and weed and shit. I agree with you. Who cares what kind of weird drugs they're selling as long as they're not selling children or whatever. One year later. Wow. 1856 now. We're at the graduation of Billy and Charles at West Point, right? Um. And we get this feeling that Ashton wants to kiss Charles. We both thought this. Like, she's been kind of eyeing him this whole time. And it's weird. Like, why is she eyeing her cousin? Uh, Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Because he's not hot. Like, Billy's the hot one. Yeah. And as Billy's sitting there talking to Brett, Ashton comes up and kisses him. And Brett becomes very upset. So, it almost just a turn... Billy then gets gets to talking to Brett and, and proposes. Yeah. And she accepts. Yeah, because, like, why not? Yeah. And this makes Ashton upset, so she goes off with Miles and fucks in the chem lab. Yeah, Miles is just some guy. Yeah, she's just like, I want to be fucked. And he's, he's like, let's go to the chemistry lab. And she's like, okay. And Did they, you know that science existed in 1857? Of course. They have gunpowder. In the lab. Yeah. And he's like, oh, gunpowder. And then he explodes. Yep. So they bang. And then she's like, hey, do you have any friends? And he's like, I have a few friends. Well, that's not how it goes. She says, I 
am having a good time. And he says, I'm tired. Oh. But I have some friends if you want to be entertained. He offers the friends. She doesn't ask for them. Yeah. But she only wants to fuck people who know Billy. Yeah. Yeah. And as she fucks them, she takes their buttons. She's like, give me your buttons. And at the end of this this fuck Athlon, she's got a got a whole fistful of buttons, right? She's pleased with herself. She's very pleased with herself. And then eventually Charles comes into the room because he heard through the grapevine that she was doing this stuff. I don't think he did hear that. Yeah, that's I think how he, he was just looking for her. And yeah. I guess yeah. He and then somebody her. was like, "You should go to the chem lab. It sounds like she's hanging out with some guys." So he goes over there. And I thought huff. that they were showing up. I thought that they were showing up to fuck her. Um, <laughs> I thought that he got told, "There's this loose girl over here. Go get your rocks off." And, and he was going to show up to fuck her. But no, he was just looking around for her. Yeah, it's not that he was looking to get laid. He was looking for her. Yeah, yeah. So he runs into the room and she just like throws all these buttons into she, his hand. She has a perfect tell. When she needs to lie, she walks two, three steps in the opposite direction, covers her face, and then she turns around. She's ready to lie. Yeah. She does that twice in this episode. Yeah. It's it's actually amazing. Because she turns around and she's like, oh no, they took advantage of me. I thought that he was a nice boy, but then they took advantage of me. And then, of course, Charles calls her out. He's like, no, 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 no. This isn't what's going on. Man, you uh, suck. Yeah, you're doing something sketchy. And she's like, yeah, I am doing something sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anyone, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, but then she she throws all the buttons in his hands, and that scene's fucking over. Over. We, we, we do a, we do a kind of casual cut then over to um, Ori and George talking about Brett and Billy getting married. Yeah, yeah, uh, Swayze, Ori. He is... Generally for the marriage, as he says, Uh, but he knows that civil war is coming and that it's not going to be good for them to be married across uh, the civil war lines. Yeah. That's basically it. That was his only concern. He's like, yeah, I like Billy, but like we're Southerners and there's going to be a civil war, so we're going to be on opposite sides. Yeah. So it's clear that we have two more episodes before the civil war. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At this point, it's pretty clear. And uh, how do you feel about that whole situation? Just like them just leaving it there. Like, hey, yeah, next time we see each other, we're probably going to be fighting. Do you think that it's too much? Do you think it's too much foreshadowing is the question you're asking, right? Yes. I Yeah, it might be. Because Swayze's a little dumb and backward at this point, you know? Yeah. I think if they were talking about it while, it was, while they were at school... And recognizing the divisions, mm-hmm. it would have been more prescient and less, and like more foreshadowing and less blunt. This is pretty blunt. They're like, civil war is coming. Do you think everybody knew? I don't know. I think it was like very telling because of all things that were happening. It's clear. Because they, he mentioned earlier that like, yeah, South Carolina had already tried to secede once or twice. He They're like, voting. Yeah. Now, at this point, there are multiple states all trying to secede together. Which states would try and secede now? Now? Yeah. Oh, dude. I feel like a lot of the ones west of the Mississippi that didn't have cool cities in them. They've all got cool cities. 
What's a cool city in Montana? I don't know any cities in Montana. Missoula. Missoula? I don't know. It's just a city. Okay. I don't know. It's cool. I don't. I've never been to Montana. Because when you're looking at the the tour map, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so here's the Mississippi. We got everything over here. This is the East Coast. Yeah. And then west of the Mississippi is just a desert. That's what you imagine, right? Yeah. Like it's desert and grasslands, and there's nothing in between until you get to Denver. Until you get to Denver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how I've always seen it too. You just got to get over the mountains and then you're good. Yeah. But I guarantee you, especially for your band, yeah. shit punk, garbage, trash folk, <laughs> or whatever, uh, I guarantee you that there's tiny little towns where there's a punk show that happens every two weeks. I know that there's a way to get to the Rocky Mountains and make money. I know there is. I know there is, and I've never done it. Fucking, I bet Neil knows. Yeah, go ask Neil. Neil doesn't want to do a podcast with me. He's not my roommate. (laughs) But if he was, I'm sure we'd be talking about the same exact fucking thing. I think Texas would try and go if we were going to succeed, but or if someone was going to try and succeed, but there's no way they can make a coherent map because now our divisions are so much between rural and urban. See, that's they, what I was saying earlier. That's what it's always been. It's always been that. Yeah, we if we the Civil War was so defined back in the past because we could have a very clear state line of where we wanted to have one big ticket item, you know, sure. slavery. Um, was all in the South, then we, we could have that dividing line. Now it's a matter of sometimes just walking down a street mm-hmm. and then it's the complete opposite side of the political spectrum. Well, yeah, and since people don't even know their neighbors anymore, you can have, be living next door to someone who's completely diametrically opposed to you and you don't even know about it. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of kind of terrifying. I guess. I mean, like, everything's all about smaller communities. Like, if there is civil war, as we move forward, the most important thing is to, like, give things to your neighbors. It doesn't really matter what their political leanings are. Mm -hmm. Because if you love your neighbors, then at least they'll like you. Yeah. It doesn't matter who else they like. I hear you. When it comes down to it. So after graduation, Ori and his family go back home, and he's cuddling with Maddie, right? They're at their spot. The sin church. They're getting, they're getting kissy. And then all of a sudden, Maddie's like, Ori, found out I'm one-eighth black. Is it one-eighth? It's her great-grandma. I don't know if it's one-eighth or one-sixteenth. I was trying to do the math, and I told you it was one-tenth, and obviously that's not possible. I'm not. Yeah, it's her great-grandma, so whatever that d- division is, I'm not sure. That's the I'm amount sorry. of Italian I am. Oh, one-eighth? My grandma's, my granny is 100% Italian. Oh, so that's how much it t- the amount of black that she is, is the amount of Italian I am. And I'll tell you about a spicy meatball. This girl doesn't know anything about collard greens or nothing. Dude, I'm way more Italian than you. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Who's got the fucking Christmas tree? <laughs> so they're at the Sin Church, right? They're just kissing, and he's and Maddie's like, "Hey, I found out that I'm part black." And out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, um, but or he's like, "You know what? I accept you." You know, I think you're great. He's he's been hearing these new ideas for so long, and now something is directly affecting him, and he's realizing that 
maybe the things that he was fighting for before aren't right because he views Madeline as a person. And now he knows that slave owners be fucking slaves, which apparently he didn't know before he went to that meeting. Yeah. So he's kind of like, holy shit, this is happening all over the place. Yeah, he's learning lots of shit really quick. And he seems to think before she thinks, Mr. Justin's going to try and fucking kill you. Yeah. She, it, it almost seems like she hadn't even thought of it before before Ori thinks of it. Yeah, he was immediately concerned at how Justin would respond to this. So he's like, well, you, you got to get the fuck out of there. And this is where he fucks up big time. I'd say this is the biggest mistake he made so far throughout the show. Uh-huh. He should have taken her. As right, soon as she right said then? that, he should have taken her to his house. She lives there now. Yeah. Because her dad's dead. His dad's dead. And the guy who like owns her her husband is gonna kill her yeah he should have already been worried about him killing her because as soon as a man hits a woman you now need as soon as a partner hits another partner mm-hmm. you should now be thinking that maybe that person could kill them yeah uh so in her situation especially he should have gotten her out immediately but she's like oh no i need to get my situation together we got to figure out where we're going mexico <laughs> Yeah, go to Mexico. Do some kissing well, in Mexico. Yeah, he's going to wear that sexy thong. <laughs> How much did the thong cost? Uh, $700, man. Is that a good deal? I don't know. A thong that Patrick Swayze wore. A thong that Patrick Swayze wore was a, a, $700. A jock strap. Yeah. A G-string. They call, they call it a G-string on the site. We found an auction site. We haven't talked about this yet. We found an auction site that had many of Patrick Swayze's stuff did we talk about this no we haven't told them at all oh man the g-string i posted it on instagram yeah we found an auction site that had many of patrick swayze's props and belongings it had clothes from this show it had his civil war clothes and shit and that stuff the civil war stuff actually sold for a good amount of money yeah like some of the coats and uh like his sword Mm -hmm. from this in particular cost thousands of dollars well uh, like a little over a thousand dollars which is kind of a steal if you ask me yeah these are like authentic civil war clothes yeah if it's North and South closed. This was a TV event at the time. I know, I but like I guarantee you that it was bought by Civil War reenactors and not movie buffs. I guarantee you. So this is when we find out now also that Ashton is pregnant, and he she goes to and there's no way to know who the the father is. There's no. absolutely there's no, no way, way to know. So who does she go to? She goes to Maddie. And Matt, because Maddie knows some kind of like. I love that we have both decided to call her Maddie, because in my notes it's also Maddie. Because <laughs> they refer to her as Maddie all the time. But Maddie, because Daddy. she knows like, like well, what was it like swamp magic or swamp no, people? No, no, no. What was, she, what was her she's Creole. Yeah. I think that I think that the idea is is that Madeline is a a strong empowered woman. Yeah. I think that's why Ashton goes to her, not because she's Creole. Yeah, but, but like. She gives her a very Creole response, which is go to the Swamp Witch. Yeah. So we're going to go to a Swamp Witch, and she's going to do an operation on Which you. was must, much less racist than I thought it was going to be. I, the, the voodoo daddy always makes me angry. There was no voodoo daddy. Yeah, so she goes and has this abortion in a swamp. <laughs> and once they return home, Justin's on a fucking warpath and demands to know where Maddie was. And Maddie was like, 
I was at this bar in town because I went out shopping with my friends. She had very specific details about times and where she was. Yeah, and why she didn't spend money because she didn't find anything she likes. So they went to the bar then and all this kind of stuff. And that's when Mr. Justin's like, well, guess what? I was at all those exact places at those exact times and you weren't there. <laughs> he's going to beat the shit out of her. So God. he just starts slapping and he's just hitting her all across the room. And all of a sudden, Ori, it's a hard cut to the... At, their sexy spot he shows up to go take her away because she was supposed to run away you know with him yeah yeah she said next morning after i get my shit together and he's not there you know she's oh not there God. so he panics runs away you know all of a sudden then mr justin shoves maddie into her room locks her in there it looks like a ghost room it's all covered in sheets and stuff it, yeah it's, there's sheets everywhere it's clearly not a room that's being used it's a ghost room Throws her in this room, locks her in there, puts Mr. Jones outside the room, right? Oh, God. And that's when Ma Sally tries to go and break her out of the room. I like that. Sally. Yeah, that's her name. I said Sally, but Sally, that's yeah. that's her name. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> Goes to break her out of the room, you know, and he's like... She's like, this is this is bullshit. Mr. Justin, you can't lock up your wife like that. This is all fucked, and I'm going to get her out. Oh, Mr. Justin calls her a free woman. Yeah, because... She, she's a free woman? I thought she was... Uh, I thought she was the slave of Maddie, but she's not. She's, like, her caretaker. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I thought she was a slave. Like, in the first scene that we see her, I thought that, that woman was a slave. Yeah, I referred she, to her as a slave. Yeah, she did. But apparently she's not because Mr. Justin calls her a free woman. Is that because Maddie's daddy has died? Maybe. Maybe. That is the exact thing. Okay. We'll you know? get to that later. So then Mr. Justin, in his fury still, punches Sally down the stairs. Down the stairs. It's a spiral staircase, but like a big-ass one. Not like a metal star- spiral staircase. It's like huge. When she lands at the bottom, it's revealed that she has died. Well, because she has, no, it's revealed that she has blood coming out of her mouth. <laughs> well, yes, but she's sustained very big injuries kind of thing. Well, blood coming out of your mouth, as we know, means you're going to die. Yeah, you're yes. going to, no matter what. So, Maddie's locked in the room. Sally's dead. Fucking everybody is just distraught, and, like, it is a fury. And Everything's then bad. we get the credits. Bam. It was a fucking cliffhanger. All a right. cliffhanger if I've ever seen one. It's a cliffhanger. What's going to happen? The South will get more and more bad until they secede. That's a good point. <laughs> and then it'll get worse, and it'll get worse, and it'll get a little bit better because people are paying attention. But as soon as people stop paying attention, it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and then we're here. What new relationship do you feel was highlighted the best in this episode? Well, I mean, we're really rooting for Brett and uh, the cousin. Brett and Billy. Billy. Yes. Yeah, we're really rooting for Brett and Billy. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I really think that Virgilia and, and Grady's relationship was the standout new relationship in this episode. I guess, man. But like I said, I think the, I think the whole thing's performative. Yeah. She's, he's like almost the first black person that she's met. Obviously, she knows black people out in Pennsylvania, but like she's wandering around the slave quarters and bumps into him and they fall in love. I don't know. I don't believe it. Okay. okay. I think it's performative. Okay. I think she likes Swayze better. 
Okay, okay. But she won't admit to it because he's a slave owner. Was there any parts that stood out to you as being highlights? Hmm. I mean, I like the balls. There's many various parties that they attended. There were there were many very beautiful ladies in chesty dresses. Yeah, because in the south they gotta like, ooh, they gotta let it breathe because it's hot down there. Oh. I I also liked all the men's ties. They had really fucking ooh, cool ties. Crazy ascots. Yeah, I realized that an ascot is just a bow tie with a bunch of with a tail. A bunch of stuff on it? Is yeah. that what an ascot is? You tie it like a bow tie, but then it's got like a crazy tail. I'm pretty sure. I thought like an ascot was kind of like, like a kerchief, you know? It is. Like Fred from from Scooby-Doo wears one. Yeah, I understand. But these guys are all wearing ascots and they're oh. all tied like they're bow ties, but they have like the frill hanging down. I understand. Okay. okay. I'm, not, I'm just, maybe Fred ties it wrong. Dude, maybe. He's just like, oh, it's a big knot. <laughs> Fred's the dumb one. Yeah. Uh, Velma's the smart one. Yeah. Shaggy is the dumb one. <laughs> oh, he's also the dumb one? Scooby's the smart one. He's too smart for a dog. Oh, yeah. And Daphne is the dumb one. Oh, okay. The the classic dumb, dumb smart, dumb, dumb, smart, dumb, dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's classic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a double layer. It's a it's double sandwich. It's, it's the classic dumb, smart, dumb, smart, dumb. Mm-hmm. I, I am picking up what you're laying down. Hey, you can't have more smart than dumb or else you've got no story. Do uh, you what 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 do you what are you hoping to see in the next episode? Since like we we, we wildly were wrong about these two what was gonna be happening. Oh, like man. do you think the civil war is gonna start in episodes five and six? Or do you mm-hmm. think that's gonna be in see in book two? I think it's gonna start at the end of episode six. I think there might be like a cannon shot. Oh, yeah? And then it'd be like, Civil War to be continued. Instead of being North and South, that's when it becomes Heaven and Hell. Yeah, I want to see... I do want to see that baby survive the abortion attempt. And that baby is Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what's going to happen, Josh. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think that what we have to look forward to... In the next two episodes is further divisions between the North and the South. Yeah. Do you think we're going to meet any more interesting famous people? Yeah, I think Forrest Whitaker will appear. We're on Whitaker Watch. Forrest Whitaker was in episode four. Was he? Yes, he was. I didn't see him. He was the hand that was riding with with Virgilia in the ring. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was riding, and then he's like, oh, I don't want to leave you with this slave. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. He was so young, he didn't have the eye thing going on yet. I was looking out for the eye thing. Okay, who's the best dad? I don't know. That's a great question. Well, I mean, come on, rad or bad, there's so many dads, and most of them died. Most of the dads are dead. Well, Madeline's dad, bad dad. Wow, I thought he was kind of red. Oh, well, I disagree with you. I think he let all those slaves be free after he died. I guess. He also married her to Mr. Justin. That's very bad. Bad dad. Mr. Justin's a bad dad. Dude, he let all those slaves be free, though. Like, he may have sacrificed his daughter so that all the slaves could be free. Oh, the classic... 
one one or all situation. Ah, uh, yes, he did a classic trolley problem. Yeah, do the, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? Well, he's like, I can either give my daughter to Mr. Justin or I can give all my slaves to Mr. Justin. Those are the only options. Well, that must have been what he thought. Okay, uh, how about Mr. Maine? He I, left Ori in a pretty bad situation. Yeah, he did. He just died. I think he was a bad dad also. Bad dad, I agree. I, I think that... Swayze as the uh, surrogate dad mm-hmm. was neutral. Neutral, totally neutral. Because I think, he refused a good wedding. Yeah. I'd oh, say that's bad. Well, and But he also helped Charles before. You know, like he did things to cancel his cancel things he out. He was a very good dad to Charles. Right, he was a great dad to Charles. Not the best dad to, to Brett, because if he was really a good dad to Brett, he would have been supporting her the entire time. He would have pointed her in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about George being a dad? Because I think George was actually a rad dad. Yeah, but who is he the dad to? He was a dad to all the Steel Boys. Mm-hmm. He was a dad to the family immediately after. He definitely talked down to Stanley. His older brother. Yeah. Rad dad. I think he's the raddest dad of them all so all far. Right. George gets the rad dad award for this episode. I, I, I do think that is the case. Hell yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's good to know. And how about Fashion Corner? I think I think the fashion was great throughout the entire episode. I only mentioned the flowers in their hair and also Mr. Justin. Who else had the rad fashion? Dude, like I said, everyone had dope ass fucking ties the entire time. Every boy had a, had, a, had a, the cutest tie on. Cutest tie. We don't do them like that anymore. They were different different styles, different colors. Some of them were patterned. They all had different shit on them. It was dope. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked. Brett's outfits on quite a few occasions as well, because didn't one of them include a fan? Mm-hmm. Yep. I liked the fans. The fans looked sick. I was uh, pretty into uh, Virgilia's various outfits. Yeah. She was the first one that I noticed had flowers in her hair, and she was also like interacting with a bird. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think she was nailing it. I liked the the dress she was wearing when they got caught in the rain because it was very large, but she had a little top hat on. She kind of looked like a <laughs> like a like the Queen of Hearts or like a Mad Hatter or yeah, something she's like, like a that. Tiny magician, yeah, a chaos magician. Yeah, I liked I liked Virgilia as well. Okay, yeah. I think that we may be able to award Fashion Corner to Virgilia in this episode. I I think that's good. Good yeah. for her. Good for her. Good for her. Way to go, Virgilia. I still don't agree with her living in squalor. Um, why do you? Why do? You, why does that? It just strikes me as performative. Again, she strikes me as performative. I don't think that George would agree, disagree with her marrying a slave. I understand. If George is the rad dad that we said that he was, he yeah, w- he wouldn't disagree with her marrying a slave. I think she's doing that just to be dramatic. Um, maybe that's all they could afford, man. Yeah, they have family money. Hey, Hazard Industries is huge. They have, which we didn't even mention, they have a joint enterprise in South Carolina with the main family. Dude, yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot about that. They have business. Yeah, they they decided to start a textile company in South Carolina with the, you know, amendment that there will be no slaves. Yes, Swayze agrees to no slaves because yep. he believes in the future. Yeah, He says... You know, like, this is good. And he's right, because even after the Civil War, that's still in his territory. Yeah. They're going to still be able to make textiles there. Yeah. And he's not going to be employing slave labor, uh, theoretically. And, I mean, it's just a good move all around, because he's putting his money where his mouth is. Yes. Um, Yep. 
I think that their joint business venture is uh, investment in centrism. Yeah. But I, who cares? I agree. When you're working with the Civil War, you got to do everything you can. So I think we're going to treat this one like we treated the last one. We're going to hold off on the, our Swayze scale. Swayze scale. And we're going to be... Did just, we not do it on the last? No, we're, not, we're, we're going to hold off. We're doing the whole thing. One Swayze scale. To rule them all. Okay. If you'd like to reach out to us, we're still on all of our social medias at SwayzePod. We've got an email at SwayzePod at gmail.com. Josh is on Letterboxd at Joshua CY, and I'm on Letterboxd at Vince Troya. So if you want to hear about how we're feeling about these movies and stuff like that in real time, please feel free to holler at us. Josh, is there anything else we ought to talk about? Did you change the art for our show yet? I did. You did. Let's talk about the art. Our friend Danny made us some new art for the show. He uh, he's a tattoo artist. He's 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 just a regular artist. He's just an all around artful guy. And he's the first contributor to the show. Like yeah. we've done everything else ourselves. Yes. We're editing. We did the music. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's all us. But you know what? It's time for Danny Boulderstein to take effect. Uh, he's. At DTE underscore energy. Yeah, I posted on Instagram. it. I've posted it at both Instagram and Twitter. So you can reach out to Danny from there, get some art from him. He's fucking dope. And you don't wanna... see our art that often because usually we choose uh, like a still from the thing that we're watching. But the mm-hmm. art for our show is now crazy for Swayze. Yeah. It's so, not just a picture of us anymore. Yep. Thanks, Danny. Really appreciate you, man. Yeah, you're our number one fan, I would say. You're the best. We're crazy for Swayze, that's it? We're crazy for Swayze Gonna watch everything he made We're crazy